to the Clients and Conversions Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Clem, and I've helped fellow entrepreneurs and business owners just like you harness the power of social media to grow your audience by the hundreds, 2x their launch sales, and have client leads banging down the door to book a call with you. And I'm the first to say that hustling and searching hours online for your next client or student is not the vital ingredient to your success or even your happiness. This podcast is for driven entrepreneurs, from coaches to course creators and everything in between, to access practical and actionable tactics on everything from how to get clients with Instagram advertising, and really unlock the keys from sales and social media to get growth with the simplest tools possible, while keeping it just long enough to get you through your walk, drive, or workout. So stick with us for this episode and the ones to come so you can get more clients and sales in less time. Now let's get into it. Now, before we go into the episode, this is sponsored by the Audience Growth Ad Experiment. This is a free guide that I created to really help answer the question of where do I start when it comes to ads, especially around literally where to start. So what I've done is I've actually put to the test Pinterest, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram ads all in a way that has pretty much the same variables that I could to see which one's gonna get you the most bang for your buck, which means the most amount of results, most amount of leads, and audience growth for the least amount of cost out of your budget or wallet. So I broke this down as best as I could. I made it super simple, but so, so, so helpful for those who are wanting to find out how to go about this, what were the actual results, which platform actually did come out on top, and where to start after that. So get your hands on that. It's going to be at danielleclem.com slash ad experiment. Also in the show notes below, such a good place to start. And also so helpful for those who were like me who wondered, okay, are Facebook ads still the best way to go? This will answer that for you. So I'll see you inside the experiment and let's get started. Hey guys, today we have on Andrea Jones, who is a social media strategist helping businesses and podcasts with the attention they deserve. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Hi, thanks. I'm so happy to be here. I am too. This is going to be a really fun episode. We were talking earlier and I I just can't wait to go in deep because you have so much knowledge and just the way that you help teach all this kind of social media stuff I think is really valuable. But before we go into that, I love to begin this show with the beginning of your journey and then end with the present and your future. So I love to hear a little bit about how you grew up to kind of what led you to wanting to go down this path. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so I grew up very shy, mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh, leads to my social media life. So um, I, I actually, in second grade, got in trouble for not talking in school. The teacher called on me. I didn't feel comfortable talking in front of my classmates. And she sent a note home to my mom saying, mm-hmm. I have to talk in class. <laughs> um, so fast forward to high school, where I didn't really fit in in school, but I found my community online. And this was really before it was popular. Mm -hmm. I was the nerd in the forums, making (laughs) friends, talking about Harry Potter, because (laughs) that was what I enjoyed. And so I really wanted to do a lot with social media. Um, After I graduated high school, I did some uh, videos. It's really where I got my start on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked at a marketing agency uh, as an intern, and then I worked in the spa world as a manager and being the youngest manager on the team. I um, would often be assigned the social media roles. (laughs) Um, after I graduated from university with a degree in English literature, I 
couldn't really find a job with Mm -hmm. that. So I stayed in the spa world, kind of just working social media on the side. I had some friends and family who were entrepreneurs and they needed help with things like Facebook and Instagram was just becoming a thing. So Mm -hmm. I uh, started helping them out. Then I met my husband, which really changed everything for me. And I do like to emphasize that because it's really the reason I was able to start my business is I went from being single in my you know mid-20s to being married. And having that double income allowed me to um, pursue my own thing while my husband kind of supported us for a mm-hmm. while. Um, and he lived in Canada. So I moved from Atlanta, Georgia, oh, to Toronto, Canada. <laughs> yeah. It's cold here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it made that move. And with that move, I was able to fully start my business. That was in 2014. Um, and so I've been in business ever since. And I've been able to pay my husband back by um, two years into my business. It was going well. He quit his job and started uh, writing as an author. And so I got to support the family while he gets to pursue his thing as well. So it kind of worked out both ways. That ending made me so happy. (laughs) Like the full circle of it is so great. And I want to say too, like, I think that's a really great note to say is how, you know, being married changed things because you're able to have this flexibility of sorts to do what you want. And I know for a lot of people that it can sometimes feel like you have it all burdened on yourself. But when you have a support system who's able to say, hey, let's give your dream a shot and let's build that it's amazing. And then to see it happen and flourish so much within the first two years is amazing. I want to congratulate you on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I do like to highlight that because I think that with this crazy online world that we live in, it's easy to look at other people's situation and say, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do this. And so I just want to be transparent that I did have that support. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people don't, right? Some people have to work on their side hustles for a while before they can branch out on their own um, and have their job be their support. Um, But I do think there is important to have that support, whether it's a savings account, whether it's a side hustle, whether it's a partner. Um, I do think that's a really important part to starting your business. Yeah. And I love that part too, because I fully agree with you. I think that when it comes to the entrepreneurship space, that story or that line of, I came from nothing and here I am is such a very, not, it's not that it's overly used, but it's definitely marketed a lot. And I find that for a good amount of people, that might be true, but there's also people like you and me, like, for example, I had savings or actually I had my grandpa pass away a couple of years back. And since I was one of the living heirs since my mom passed, I got a little bit of um, a savings inheritance type of thing. And I put a good chunk of that into my business for the first year for investing. And I was super grateful, but it's again, one of those things where I think telling our story, it's one, our own, but also it allows for people to realize you don't always have to come like you don't always have to be just one way. Like it's not always going to be zero to a hundred or it's not always going to be, you know, Mm -hmm. homeless to here. There are different avenues and it's okay. Whichever, whichever way you came from. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, also I wanted to ask you what Harry Potter house are you in? Uh, I used to think I was a Slytherin for (laughs) the longest time. And then 
I would want, I want to say in the past two or three years, mm-hmm. I took the test again. I'm a Hufflepuff. I'm a Hufflepuff Are in you? denial. <laughs> yeah. I feel like everyone who I've met is who's a Hufflepuff is. So same thing happened to me. I had one of my friends before I took the actual test. This is super off topic, but I love it. Um, so when I, I had one of my first friends, he was just like guessing who people were. He's like, you're a Hufflepuff. I'm like, no, I'm not. He's like, yeah, you are. I'm like, Mm-mm, I'm going to check the test. And I t- took it and I was a Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I have parts of Hufflepuff that comes out when I'm talking to people. Like I'm very much a smiley, happy person. Uh, on actually one of the podcasts a while ago, I was like, I honestly don't think I have that many photos where I'm not smiling because it feels weird to not smile. <laughs> it's like a very Hufflepuff thing to say. So yeah, yeah. I love to ask that. That's super funny. I need to ask that more to people and see what they are. I love it. Yeah. Well, I want to ask too. So the really cool thing about what you do is you dive in with social media and I love how you speak about how you were shy and kind of through this social media age, you're able to kind of grow and blossom into your own. Like you're running your business, you're the face of your brand. And actually I had a message from someone earlier today, actually talked to me about how they felt paralyzed by um, not knowing how to show up, not wanting to show up. They felt scared to show up on social media, but they obviously know that the best case scenario is like people will buy from you when they trust you more. And I would love to talk about your journey from going from kind of like this shy space to showing up, being on video, being on the space and knowing why it's so important to do that for your business. Yeah, I think it is important. And this is coming from an introvert, a a happy (laughs) introvert. Um, Social media doesn't feel as draining to me as being Mm -hmm. in person. So it's an important distinction to make if you're shy or if you are introverted. um, You can control the situation a whole lot more with social media. You can turn it on and turn it off whenever you want, which is the beauty of it. Um, When it comes to doing video, that felt natural to me. And I don't have a good explanation for why. Um, I did, I was in theater club, um, kind of always in the background there, but um, I did love being in um, artistic spaces and expressing myself through character and that sort of thing. Um, so doing a YouTube uh, videos didn't feel weird for me, although a lot of people thought it was weird. It was 2007, mm-hmm. so it was weird at the time. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, but it, it just felt natural to me. And one of the things that, one of the tips that I often give for people who are scared of video is try audio. I mean, podcasting mm-hmm. is such a great way to express yourself without having to worry about what you look like. Um, and that I've, I've made the transition into audio for sure for that reason. But if you do want to do video, um, live video is such a great and forgiving way mm-hmm. to do video. The expectations are a lot lower. You're not supposed to be polished and perfect. Um, you're just supposed to show up as you are. And even if it's just a video with a business bestie or someone you trust, something, someone who can give you feedback but also support you, I think that's a really good place to start. I love that. And I think the really great note to speak to that is – Like you said, audio and video are the two biggest things that are popping up and that are going to stay around for a while. And I love that part of the Facebook Live or really any live video with your business bestie on the side because that's actually the advice I gave one of my clients a while ago. They they knew they needed to be on live video or video in general because that's how, you know, people trust you. It's how they connect with you for the most part. And 
I think when it comes to live video, video in general, people are just worried about how they're perceived. And the best advice anyone can give is having someone who you trust on the other side, whether they're commenting, whether a picture of who they are is next to the camera, whatever you need to feel more comfortable, you can do. And I love saying this. No one, literally no one was perfect their first round, like their first video. I was super robotic when I first started. And I think a lot of people had their own quirks. And sometimes it's hard because they see people who are experienced in the field or who've done lives, you know, for years now, and they compare themselves to that. And it can be uh, kind of hard for their psyche to think, oh, well, I'm starting from here, but that person's doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we all started from somewhere. I actually should probably go back and dig up one of my 2007 <laughs> vlogging videos because they're about nothing and they're really bad. And in 2007, too, I was using um, one of those like really cheap cameras because mm-hmm. camera phone, like video on camera wasn't really that big of a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had one of those like really cheap cameras. It was bad. So we all start from somewhere. And I like the advice that you give of um, kind of like talking to one person really is what is the advice is that you're talking to a single person and that may help you feel less intimidated. It's not like you're talking to an auditorium of a thousand people. (laughs) Yeah. And especially when you first start too, a lot of people are worried about, I think that that idea is, oh, so many people are going to see this. To be quite honest, many people might not. <laughs> like mm-hmm. When you first do your live video, there's probably going to be maybe a handful of people who watch it, maybe more than a dozen. But I remember doing my first YouTube video and then my first um, Instagram story. And maybe, I mean, maybe 12 people saw it. <laughs> like, it just <laughs> depends on where you're at. But I really believe that I... I've I've noticed, okay, this is a theory that I have, but I've noticed it recently. The more that you progress, the more that those cliche, practice makes perfect, you just got to do it, those kind of quotes, they're just more true than you think they are. Like, you realize that and you're like, oh, wait, I'm saying this because it's true, not just because Mm -hmm. it's like a Pinterest quote. Right, yeah, they came from somewhere. (laughs) Exactly. And that's actually a really good point to go into as well is... You mentioned that two of the common myths or mistakes people get wrong with this industry is like, first, organic marketing is dead, which I want to go into. And then second is how much time you spend on social media. And I'd love to hear what's your take on like how much time you spend or that your clients spend on social media or especially for those who are in the business, like who have their own business. What is your advice to them? Yeah. So, um, how much time I spend is a little bit off just because it's like social media is my business. So, (laughs) um, I spend a lot more than the average business owner should. And so a good metric is to, um, spend no more than two hours a week on social media for Mm. your business. I'm not talking about scrolling through Facebook for your friends and family. I'm talking about proactively being on social media for your business should be about two hours a week. And so that includes creating content as well. So if you find that you're creating content and it's taking all of those two hours, you have too much content because you're not spending enough time using social media as it's meant to be used, which it's social, it's networking. You're supposed to get out there and meet new people and connect with prospects and all of those things. Um, So yeah, I definitely recommend cutting down to two hours a week um, because there are, social media is just one, one 
tool Mm -hmm. in the marketing toolbox. Um, And so there are some other marketing things you can be doing. There's other business building things you can be doing. Social media is such a great way to do it. But when you start getting past that two hour mark, you get burned out and you kind of start getting disillusioned because now you're not seeing a return on that investment. And so you're spending so much time on social media and you're like, why isn't this doing what I want it to do? It's because you're spending way too much time on there. And I find that two hour mark to be the sweet spot for most businesses. That's very interesting because I remember seeing, I was in some type of program a while ago where they had this idea of uh, three by three, where it's like three comments, three messages, and three posts per day. And everyone I think has their own opinion about how many posts you should be doing, like how to interact. What is your take on the creating content versus like for some people, they have live videos that have a lot of comments or messaging others. Do you keep that all in the same two-hour lump or is the two-hour just mainly for like consecration, uh, sending that out and so forth? Yeah, it, it depends on your business. Mm-hmm. And it's really for new businesses is that two-hour mark. Gotcha. Um, with the example you're giving with someone who has live video and there's a lot of comments and that sort of thing, then you're probably in the outsourcing phase of your business. Things mm-hmm. are picking up, they're growing. And so you have two different paths. You can either outsource something else so you now have more time to spend on social media or you can outsource your social media, especially the moderation part where you have all of these comments that you have to address. Um, And so once you start building up traction and things start growing, then you can start investing more time into it. And um, yeah, either outsourcing it to someone else or outsourcing another part. Like for me, it's bookkeeping. (laughs) I'm not a numbers person. That's not my thing. Um, another thing I recently outsourced was editing my podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I did it for a while. And now that I have a sponsor, it's like, okay, I can afford to outsource this now. And now I have more time to spend on refining the thing that I've created. So, the, it, you know, it goes in levels, it goes in waves, depending on where you are. I love that. And that's funny because that's actually the first thing that I was going to be doing in 2019. I I don't know why. Maybe you can feel this way too. I don't feel like we're in 2019. Like I (laughs) still feel like we're like in that last edge of 2018. It's so weird. My brain is like, I know it's, we're still technically halfway through January of 2019, but my brain does not. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the activities that I'm going to be outsourcing, especially since I'm doing two a week now is the podcast editing and publishing because, Mm -hmm. you know, it maybe takes up, uh, hour and a half, two hours a week. But when you think about what those two hours could be used for, that's when you start to think about, which I love, is whenever you're outsourcing, which you can probably agree, is like, what is the return on investment this is going to bring me? Versus like, just, oh, I'm spending more money. It's more about how am I going to be able to utilize more time that I'm getting from this? Exactly. Yeah. And if you need a podcast editor, I have a guy. He's amazing. I honestly am happy. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk. <laughs> yes. And that's the thing too I wanted to mention is I love that you have your podcast in the social media space because when I first started, I my first business coach was very much more of like automating everything, um, ads all over the place, which ads aren't bad, but I just find that if you're in your like first couple of years of business or even if you're even higher, Organic marketing works even better, especially when the ball gets rolling. So I wonder, what's your take on organic marketing, especially in 2019 versus, you know, ads or automating, you know, the crap out of everything? 
Yeah, yeah. I love organic marketing. And I keep hearing these people, these sayings going around like, oh, it's dead, um, especially on a platform like Facebook. People mm-hmm. are like, oh, I never get any reach. And yeah, it's harder. That's because social media is awesome and everyone's using it now. <laughs> so it's a very crowded space. Um, but that also means there's a lot more people you can connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you think of it like networking, and you can definitely connect one person like connect one-to-one with someone. Um, And so especially for new businesses, you have to start with organic marketing. You can do ads, but organic marketing, like actually networking and connecting with people gives you the unique opportunity to get feedback in real time. So you're not spending money and, and wondering what happened. You can directly talk to someone and they can tell you whether they want what you want, what you have or not. And I'm not talking about spamming someone I'm not talking about like Instagram DMing someone about your products which seems to be happening happening Gosh, a lot yeah yeah uh, I'm not talking about that what I mean is if you stumble upon a person who would love what you sell what you do starting a conversation with them figuring out what's missing in their life and how what you offer is a solution to that. And by having those conversations, you're able to refine what you do and you're able to build a business on relationships, which is still the most powerful form of business ever. Yeah, I (laughs) seriously, I couldn't agree more because what happened to me, which I don't think I've talked about too much on the podcast is that when I first started, especially you know, from the advice of my uh, business coach, she had me do a funnel through click funnels and ads for Facebook ads. And, you know, throughout those six months, I got, you know, 800 leads and like subscribers for my email list, which was great. However, I have pivoted a lot in those six months and almost a quarter, if not more, maybe even yeah, a third of those people are dead. They're cold subscribers now because they didn't have that connection that you build on organic marketing. Like the cult like audience that you get usually doesn't come from ads. Usually it comes from organic marketing, from them experiencing you, from talking to you, from interacting with your content. Like that's where that type of audience and usually your higher paying clients come from versus thinking that ads or funnels are the way to go. Yeah, yeah. And I know I get it. Ads are kind of sexy. Like you mm-hmm. the idea that you can put in one dollar and get out three dollars, like mm-hmm. it's it's a very nice idea. But if you go to the business building basics, like like even old school business marketing, it's always trying things first. So it's you know, going to expos or giving out samples and getting feedback before buying, you know, radio ads or television ads or whatever traditional marketing um avenues. So it's the same for social media marketing. If that's the tool that you're going to use, you definitely need to spend some time there figuring out what it is you you want and what it is your potential audience wants first before uh, putting ads in there. You can still do ads. I have nothing against ads. <laughs> um, they're great and they work really well when you when you have a really specific off off um, offer and you have a really specific message yes I swear one of the biggest mistakes I made and also a lot of people in this space make is they start to do not just ads they start to do like a lot of everything like promo wise however their message is not actually to their ideal client their offer 
they think like quote they think they know what their audience wants but they don't really know for sure and their message is off so therefore your ads are going to be off your content's going to be off like I, I love that you mentioned that because it's something I notice so many marketers nowadays don't talk about is you can have like a really pretty shiny picture and like a really pretty shiny social media but if your message doesn't hit the people that you want it to as well as your offer it's not gonna do as well as it could have Right, exactly. Well, I would love to talk about this too, is since, especially for for businesses, especially service-based business owners, I notice this idea of feeling salesy or spammy online is everywhere. I think I've experienced it when I was uh, first starting out to, I think for the good first year of my business, and then probably you and other audience members have as well. How did you go about getting comfortable with that idea, especially when it comes to being an introvert, because I'm an INFJ as well, or <laughs> I'm, I'm an introvert in general. Mm-hmm. So I know that the idea of feeling salesy while spammy or whatever that is can be really detrimental to their bottom line, to how they build clients and an audience. What is your idea? And like, how do you talk about this with clients on how to move out of that feeling? Yeah, and it's it's um, a very natural feeling. So mm-hmm. if you feel that way, don't feel bad um, to the listeners out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that way too, and a lot of my clients do because we all see what happens on social media when other people mm-hmm. do this, where we get that feeling of like, oh, someone else is trying to sell me something that I don't want. Um, and so it feels weird. It feels icky. Um, so how you get around that is coming from a space of value. So if you can provide your audience value, whether that be through education or through inspiration or through entertainment, um, if you can provide them value in some way and then your offer is the natural next step, it doesn't feel salesy or selly or anything like that. Um, So an example would be if you are a yoga teacher Mm -hmm. and you teach yoga classes on the weekends and you want to try to fill up your class. Um, So instead of saying, you know, hey, I have a yoga class this weekend, please come out to my class. I need students, Um, (laughs) which is it's true. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a different approach you can take from it. So let's say instead of saying that, what if for three days you taught something new like um, uh, how to do a downward dog or Mm -hmm. the best the best time of day to do yoga or um, the best style of yoga mat or something like that, where you're giving value. And then those people who are interested in that value, you can reach out to them personally, or you can just have a post that's followed up. And it's, again, more likely to show up in their feed because they've showed um, interest so Mm -hmm. far. um, That says, you know, you've been interested so far, I would really love to invite you to this amazing class I have on Saturday. Saturday, uh, you're much more likely to convert those people because you've given them something of value and you know, you've allowed them to show interest in it. Yeah. And the really great part about what you mentioned too is I think there's this dichotomy of two ways in the online space is either you give so much free value or you don't give that much or anything because I think that comes from like the scarcity mentality and like abundance mentality. Um, Mm -hmm. I I could be off, but I find that when I first started, I would like sprinkle out some content like that should be good enough. But in reality, so many of so much of our audience comes from 
having to see repeated exposure of ourselves, of our brand, of our message, that when you teach certain things, especially on teaching on things that they want, they're 10 times more likely to be like, oh, she actually knows what she's talking about. Let me look at her offer. Let me look at her class because she gave me this. Like the law of reciprocity is still up and going in this online space. Yeah, exactly. And it does, it does take some momentum. So I do Mm want to say that like the first couple of times you do this, you know, it may not be, you know, hundreds of people flocking (laughs) to you. um, But it does take momentum. So uh, I'll give an example in my business, I've been in business for almost five years. Mm -hmm. And every year is more and more people saying, Hey, I saw you do this thing. Or hey, I heard you do that thing. Um, Actually, two years ago, um, someone joined my list, and they were on my list for a year. And then they reached out to me after I emailed saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I have spots for services. Mm -hmm. She said, Hey, I've been following you for a year. You provide such great value. I want to work with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that turns into a long-term relationship and she's actually referred me so much business. (laughs) Like, so it's not even just that single person. Um, but it took years to get Mm -hmm. to that point. Um, and it takes years to build up that sort of authority. Um, so it does take time but it's so worth it yeah and the great thing too about that like you mentioned I noticed I had someone reach out as well last week who I met in March of last year and it's like oh yeah you know let's chat literally last week she finally she's like oh yeah she goes on one of my email uh sequences and the last one she's like oh yeah thank you for, for providing so much value you know, can we schedule something? And I was like, oh, wow, that's great. But it took nine months. Now, again, that's not always for every person, but for most people, they have to get warmed up to you. And some people take longer than others, which is why I love organic marketing, because you can't be talking to someone one-on-one. Like, that's the easiest way, like, quickest way to go from cold to warm to hot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you imagine taking that same person for you and paying for Facebook ads for nine months just to get her like that, like it it would take a lot to get a return on that investment. So um, I love Facebook ads and advertising, but um, think of it more of as like the the entry point into your world. Yeah. And I noticed that there's this wave where whenever people try and jump too much on one thing, the opposite is now the you know, hot new item. And I noticed the last three years, two, two or three years, um, this idea of passive everything has been like this really big idea, like passive income, passive ads, passive email, like all this passive stuff, which is why I think there's this huge need to go back to organic, to go back to this intimate, relevant part versus this automated. Like whenever you see everyone flocking this way, it's probably a good way to go the opposite. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I know from from myself as a consumer now, when I look at something like a course or a new product or something like that, I'm really looking for a personal touch because mm-hmm. there's so many courses out there where you can just sign up and you never talk to anybody. You, it's just you sitting and watching videos, um, which is I'm not about that anymore. Like I'm <laughs> done. I want to talk to someone and I want to have like that connection, number one, because I work from home, so I'm by myself all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then number two, um, I want to be able to ask questions and get real time feedback, which is so hard to find these days. So if you can, you know, it depends on your business model, but if you can layer that in, that's a definite differentiator right now in the market. 
I 100% agree. I That's what I do in my business right now. When I first started, I think I launched like two courses and I was like, oh, it's going to be the best thing ever. I'm going to make money while I sleep. And like, I probably made two sales. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then really where I'm at now and where I try and tell a lot of people, like you can't beat that one-to-one side. I mean, I understand you have to kind of pay a higher price for it usually, but in my business and my business model, like a lot of what I do is one-to-one or small group because you transform their life so deeply, so thoroughly, and they become such a like raving fan of you by this one-to-one or small group versus if you're a course, like there's, I want to say I probably took 12 courses in my first year of business. I maybe remember two of them because there was no interaction with the person. They might have been great people, but like there was no, like you said, there was no added touch. There was no feedback. There was no, what I like to call courses is like you get more information, but no implementation. Like you don't have someone Mm -hmm. there holding you accountable. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, one thing I love to do too on this podcast is the rapid fire round, which is like one of my favorite things to do because it allows listeners to hear more about you and honestly get more resources for them to think about. So I'm going to ask a couple questions and all you need to do is answer with either a couple words or one sentence and kind of just go from there. So are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Awesome. All right. So first, what is the favorite book you've ever read? Oh, well, Harry Potter, of okay. course. Uh, <laughs> but a good business book that I really love is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. That's a good one. Uh, I really like that one, yeah. What is your favorite word or phrase you use daily? Uh, I would have to say clarity, because mm-hmm. um, I, I really like that. And then um, like a sense of... Um, openness I'm trying to think of the actual word but I I meditate a lot and I like Mm -hmm. that space and openness not really a word per se but that's Mm -hmm. kind of like the feeling that I try to have I love that uh if you weren't an entrepreneur what would you have been I probably would be working for a company doing the exact same thing (laughs) just just for a company or an agency (laughs) but I'd definitely be in digital marketing (laughs) okay so then what is something that you're not very good at or that you're working to get better at I'm working to get better at timeliness. So Mm -hmm. I'm slow. I take (laughs) a lot of time to do things. And so I'm trying to work on being a little faster and cutting down on my decision process. I honestly, I fully agree. Like the idea of analysis paralysis is real. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) it is real. (laughs) Okay. So what is one characteristic that you believe every entrepreneur should have? Uh, flexibility. Don't get mm. too stuck doing one thing because that's the way you've always done it. You you have to be able to adjust with how the market moves. I love that. When you think of the word positioning, what is the first word or phrase or thought that comes to your mind? Um. Oh, that's a good one. Maybe more of like uh, messaging. So mm. like how people understand what you do. Love it. Okay. Last question. What does success look like to you in your own eyes? Success for me is being flexible to do my own thing, to work for whoever I want, the freedom to work whenever I want, and the financial independence to keep doing what I'm doing. Love that. Okay. Now, last question of this whole podcast is, now we've talked so much about kind of where you've been, where you're at, and where you're going. What are some things that you're currently working on to give the audience a little taste on when they can look out from? 
Yeah. So uh, my baby is the Savvy Social School. <laughs> I love it. I spend a lot of time in there. It's how I teach people what I do in social media. And so um, I've got a Pinterest course that's going to be released by the time of this episode mm-hmm. and an entire framework that really helps people understand how to use social media. But to get a little taste of the school, you can sign up for my free course, which is called the Savvy Social Framework. And you can find that by going to onlinedrea.com slash free. And that'll all be in the show notes below. So you guys can find that there in case you don't feel like typing it or spelling it out because I'm that person who's like, just give me the link. (laughs) Uh, Okay. And where can everyone find you online? Yeah. So I hang out on Insta a lot, Instagram at online Drea, um, but I'm everywhere online at online Drea. Fair. (laughs) Well, (laughs) there you guys have it. This has been an amazing episode. Thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And if you guys have any questions for us, in the show notes below will be all of our links, so you can go there. And I will talk to you guys all in the next episode. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I am so excited that you were able to go through it and get some actionable tips out of it. For next steps, make sure you go to daniellclem.com slash ad breakdown to get the complete ad breakdown around what one Insta ad did to help create 559 client leads and 20% sales increase in launch. Make sure to go ahead there to do that and DM me at Clem to go in deeper to the conversation. And last but not least, make sure to leave a rating and review so that this podcast can get out to more amazing people like yourself.